grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Are you a blind optimist or more of a chicken little? It seems like most people fall into one of two categories. Either you feel like life is good and things will go well just because it will. Some call that blind optimism. Or every five seconds you're running around saying the sky is falling and life is terrible and nothing's going right. More of a chicken little. Two people, two types of people living the same lives, the same peaks and valleys, but two different outlooks on life. If you're like me, I don't rest securely in one of either group. It kind of depends on what's happening, right? It's easy to believe that life is good and everything will be fine when everything is fine, when things are going okay. But when you hit those valleys, when you get those disappointments, it's easy to say, woe is me, the sky is falling. But I think we are naturally averse to blind optimism, and here's why. I think each of us believes that if we were to just walk through life with the vague hope that things kind of just figure themselves out, we're afraid of finding out that they won't. We're afraid of being disappointed, of finding out that everything is actually not going to be okay and so maybe it's better to be more guarded, to be a little bit more pessimistic than to just have blind hope, blind faith. But what if we could give you a guarantee that everything is going to be fine? What if you could leave church today with the confidence that no matter what you are going through, it will definitely, definitely, definitely be okay in the end? And not just a blind optimism, but a confidence in the facts. Well, that's exactly what Christ is giving you through the words of Paul today. Not blind optimism, but a hope based on fact. Because Paul quotes a man who wrote a psalm, Psalm 116, who was in the pit of despair, who was in a valley in his life. He was so stressed out, he was so afraid, he thought he was going to die in the middle of his affliction until he discovers the best coping mechanism you can ever find. He says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We, be we speak what we believe, especially in the middle of affliction, right? If you are a chicken little, you will speak your belief that this is your end, that the low balance on your checking account means that you are going to starve and nothing is going to be okay, that the stressful time at work means that you should find a different job because this one obviously is not going to work out. But if you are a blind optimist, you will say, okay, I got this. It's going to be fine. Things will work out in the end. But what does Paul encourage us to believe, to accept as true, and to speak in the middle of our afflictions? The facts. He says, we have that same spirit of faith 
we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Paul wants you and the Corinthians to ground your whole self, your hope, and your outlook on life on the facts, but not the facts that we generally talk about facts. To us, most often, a fact is something you can observe. A fact is something you can take in through your senses. A fact is something that you can experience, like humans need oxygen to breathe, or two plus two equals four, or John Adams was the second president of the United States. It's something you can go and prove by experience. That your life has issues is a fact. You see it, you experience it. That there is suffering in the world is a fact. You see it, you hear about it, and you experience it yourself. But what if a fact is just a fact, whether or not you've seen it yourself? What if something can be true just because it's true? Because the Apostle Paul points us to two events, two items to believe, even though we were not there to see it, even though we haven't experienced it. That Jesus Christ was put to death on a cross in a gruesome execution, but rose from the grave three days later, is a fact. That Jesus Christ was dead but now is living is a fact. It is true. Believe it because it's true. You weren't there to see it. You didn't hear his cries from the cross. You didn't hear the stone roll away from the entrance to the grave. But it, it, it is as true as John Adams being the second president of the United States. It is as true as the fact that you need oxygen to, li to live. It is as true as the fact that two plus two equals four. Jesus lives. And thank God for that fact. Because of all the other facts, truths that flow from that. It is a fact that Jesus lives. Therefore, it is a fact that your sins are forgiven, that they were forgiven on that cross. It is a fact that God loves you unconditionally, free from anything you could do to earn or deserve it. Therefore, it is a fact that when God makes you a promise, you can take it to the bank, that you can trust him to have your best interests in mind. And therefore, it is a fact that one day you too will rise. That no matter what happens during your life on this, on this earth, no matter what problems are afflicting you right now, that your God of love will see to it that your story ends with you in glory and paradise with him for all eternity. That is a fact. Believe it because it's true. Even if you don't see it right now. Paul says, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. 
it is a fact that Jesus has won. The victory over your sin and your death, the victory over the devil himself, and that the new rule to your life is not just suffering, is not just problems and sin, but God's grace. God's grace is the new rule to your life. And you are joining this multitude, this growing multitude of people who more and more are seeing God's grace for themselves. And that multitude, one day you will stand with them and you will give God all the glory as he takes you into heaven. So why not praise him now? So why not thank him now? So why not put him into your perspective right now and give him all the glory because he is working for your good. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Brothers and sisters, what do you see? You see problems. You see issues. You see frailty. You see weakness. You see temptation. You see suffering. And Paul is not asking that you ignore what you see. Paul is not telling us that we should walk around as if everything is hunky-dory and that there are no problems in our lives at all. But Paul is saying, don't fixate on them. Oh, but your problems in life will ask you to fixate on them. That low balance alert on your bank account will demand that you stress about it, that you obsess over it, that you think about it all day long. That thing that you said to someone that you shouldn't have, that ruined your relationship, it, the memory of that will demand that you obsess over it, that you replay that conversation over and over again. Your weakness, your frailty demands that you fixate on it. But do yourself a favor and don't. Why not? Because a watched pot never boils. Right? When you fill a pot with water and set it on the stove, do you stand there and wait for it to boil? If you do, it feels like forever, doesn't it? Just like if you're waiting for your problems to go away right now, if you're waiting for your stresses and issues to go away right now, it feels like it's taking forever, doesn't it? But let me ask you this. How many of you are thinking to yourselves this very moment, ah, that pot of water I put on the stove five months ago, that took forever to boil. No, the promise of Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters, is that there will come a day when you enter the heavenly halls of glory and you take your seat at the banquet table of God and not a thought about what you're going through right now will cross your mind. But if it did, you would say to yourself, I don't know why I was so worked up about that. You know what Paul calls 
what you are going through right now, your very real reasons to feel like you are outwardly wasting away, he calls them light and momentary troubles. That's no disrespect to you. Certainly it feels like heavy and burdensome troubles that are going to stick around for kind of a while. But put things into their proper perspective. Your story ends with you in glorious victory with your Savior Jesus Christ. Not one of your issues that are on your heart and mind right now pose any threat to Christ's salvation and your glory. So put it in your proper perspective. Don't fixate on the issues in front of you. Fixate on Jesus. Put your eyeballs on what you can't see. You don't see Jesus standing in front of you, but you know that he lives. You don't see heaven right now. In fact, what you see is quite the opposite, but you know that it's waiting for you. You don't see a whole lot of glory in your life, but you know that God's glory is real, and it is for you. Fixate on what you can't see. Focus your heart on the things that you cannot envision with your eyes. Because what you see in front of you, that's temporary. That's not going to be the permanent situation. But Jesus, his love, and his grace, that's eternal. You might not always see it now with your physical, biological eyes, but you will when you join him in the resurrection. You will see it. Just you wait. So don't wait until your problems are over to fixate on your Savior Jesus. Don't wait until this issue passes before you put your hope and your faith on Christ. It's not a blind optimism. It's a hope based on the facts. The fact of Jesus' love. The fact of God's glory that you will see very soon. Amen. Would you please stand?